On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla's shutdown slowed Q2 finishes strong and paves the way for an incredibly bright future in more ways than one. Plus, Tesla's in-house battery project might be a key ingredient in the upcoming Plaid Model S. Federal tax incentives could come back for Tesla's in a new federal bill proposal and more. Howdy friends, Ryan McCaffrey with you for episode 257 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, this one for July 5th, 2020, which means I want to say a happy 4th of July to all of my American listeners. I hope you are having a safe and enjoyable weekend. I'm recording here actually on the 3rd of July and a bit early. I was lucky enough to have the day off today, so uh, taking advantage of it by getting the podcast done and out a little early to the Patreon supporters who uh, are with me at the early access level or higher. Plus, that also frees up my evening. Uh, I really want to see Hamilton. I never saw it in in live as the play, and it's on Disney Plus now, so I think the family and I were talking about trying to check that out later. But uh, yeah, it's good to record in the afternoon for once. I've just had lunch, maybe not quite a, a typical 4th of July a meal, but I can't say it was pretty American. I had, uh, if you're from the Midwest, which I am not, but I have many friends who are, those friends speak highly of a place called uh, called Portillo's, and they have hot dogs, they have a bunch of different food, and, and uh, one thing, they have an Italian beef sandwich that just sounded incredible. I've a- I'd actually never had one. So I saw a friend of mine mentioned that they do mail orders, where they'll just, they'll just basically like... Uh, vacuum seal everything in a cooler and, and they'll just ship it out to you and you make it at home. So they're okay, well well why not? I'll take a shot at this. And wow, it's good. It's very good. It, it's the preparation's pretty easy. It is impressive. Uh, and I have to say, because I, I was confident going in because I've done mail order with one other Chicago food. I don't know, I don't know if there's great like Jersey East Coast food that that you can get shipped out too. Uh, I have ordered Taylor ham before that's Taylor ham. If you don't, I'm not even going to get into it. It's a whole, whole other story. And I've got a lot of Tesla stuff to talk about, but, uh, I've ordered Lou Malnati's deep dish pizzas mail order two, And my goodness, they, and I've been to the real restaurant in Chicago. One of it's exact at home. And I think it's because of the oven, you know, you don't need, uh, like a coal fired oven or, or a, uh, you know, any kind of special oven. They just, they're the deep dish just heats right up like it just came out of the restaurant. And my goodness, is that good. But anyway, food aside, I mean, hey, food's a big part of 4th of July weekend. So hopefully you don't mind me taking a couple minutes to maybe make you hungry talking about good food. Anyway, uh, Tesla stuff. There is a lot to get to. And I want to start with the big story this week. A congratulations are in order to everyone on the Tesla team in, in every aspect of the company, in every discipline, every department, making it through another big end-of-quarter push. Elon had sent out a company email prior to the end of the quarter on June 30th, which Reuters obtained, and it said, quote, Breaking even is looking super tight. It really makes a difference for every car you build and deliver. Please go all out 
to ensure victory, end quote. And while we don't know yet if it's ultimate victory, ultimate meaning a profitable quarter, and thus inclusion on the S&P 500 by way of this would be the fourth consecutive profitable quarter, and they already meet all of the other criteria, but it is a victory in that the delivery numbers that we did get are absolutely worth celebrating, and they are a victory unto themselves. Tesla reporting, quote, in the second quarter, we produced over 82,000 vehicles and delivered approximately 90,650 vehicles, which, if you're curious, is 2% higher than a Q1 of this year. And it is down from Q2, it's down year over year about by about 5,000 over Q2 2019. But nevertheless, uh, an incredibly impressive accomplishment given how long the factory, the Fremont factory, was shut down at the beginning of Q2. If you're curious about the mix, about 80,000 of those cars delivered were Model 3s and Model Ys, and the remaining 10,000 or so were S and X. Tesla also noting, quote, while our main factory in Fremont was shut down for much of the quarter, we have successfully ramped production back to prior levels, end quote. Well, all of this helped propel Tesla's stock, which again, I'm no expert on, but I do keep an eye on it. It has helped propel Tesla's stock to an all-time high again, clearing $1,200 per share at the week's end. Uh, and when you look at the company, here's, here's what I want to talk about with regard to this. You know, you guys know me. I like to take that 10,000-foot view, as I like to call it, really pull back and take a look at the bigger picture sometimes. When you look at this, regardless of whether or not Tesla does end up profitable for Q2, but this point I'm going to make will be especially relevant if they do uh, end up profitable, Tesla is now set up for some serious momentum over the next couple of years. Take a, just, just think about it this way. So Q2 profitability, if they eked it out, would mean a place on the S&P 500. That's big for the, for the price of the stock, the stability of the stock, the financial health and, and stability of the company. Then you head into Q3 and Q4 of this year, which have historically been the strongest numbers, strongest quarters, pardon me, for Tesla. And those uh, quarters will be aided this year by the continued ramping up of Model Y production. Remember, the Y at, in time will ramp up to the point where it, it meets or exceeds the weekly production rate of the Model 3. Then flip the calendar to 2021, and we sh that's when we should have Model Y production starting up at Giga Shanghai. There is an expansion to the Giga Shanghai factory that's in progress right now that's going to house Model Y, a Model Y production line there. So you'll get that started up. And then into Q2 2021, you'll have the ramp up of that made in China Model Y, which will only help you know, add on to the delivery numbers, add on to the profitability, because we already know that Tesla has uh, industry, in, regarded within the industry as very high margins per vehicle. Then let's keep going. Let's keep drawing this line further out and see where it goes. You head into Q3 of 2021, 
so a year from now, with the Model Y at full speed ahead production-wise in two factories, not just one. Then in Q4 2021, you could see possibly initial production of the Cybertruck if Gigafactory 5, I'm calling it that for now because we don't know yet where it's going to be built, seems like Austin, could still be Tulsa, but Giga 5, uh, you've got that. Is that if that gets ready enough to start production on time for the Cybertruck. Then also, don't forget that Giga 4 in Berlin is also due to come online around Q4 of 2021. Let's draw it out a little further. Then you get into 2022, you've got the Cybertruck with its many hundreds of thousands of reservations already, uh, which by the way, I would be curious if Tesla saw a little spike in Cybertruck reservations over the past couple weeks as a result of the prototype being on display at the Peterson. They ended up keeping it an extra week. And I'm, uh, I didn't, I couldn't mention it last week because I didn't know, but they ended up extending it out through this week. So it's been there for two weeks and it's been thus all over social media for the last couple weeks as well. You've got Cybertruck production, production ramping up in 2022. And, and there you go. So you've, you run out two years. That is a really, really healthy roadmap on paper for the next couple of years. And then hopefully we'll finally get dessert, which is the next generation Tesla Roadster, which admittedly probably won't materially affect the financial bottom line of Tesla, but that car will draw even more attention to the brand by way of its halo car status. You know, it's there are going to be a ton of videos, a ton of articles, a lot of chatter about that car if it does what it's purported to be capable of doing. So that will only draw more people to take a look at Tesla. And the Tesla Semi will be in the mix there as well. Uh, by the way, not even taking into account the energy side of the business with this, because that's not my expertise. And again, as I've said before, respectfully, not really my personal interest as much. I mean, I do want to go solar in my home, but I'm not going to be, uh, yeah, just, I don't really uh, want to sit here and do a, a, a solar roof podcast for, for, uh, for an hour a week. But, but it is an important, nevertheless, it's a, it's a relevant and important part of Tesla's business in the coming. I mean, it already is, but it's only going to continue to grow in importance of the company over the next couple of years. And remember too, even within that, so here we are, here's our, here's our Tesla energy portion of the show. There is plenty of room for growth in the Tesla energy side of the business because the solar roof tiles are only really just starting to ramp up production out of Gigafactory 2 in Buffalo, New York. And also very recently in the last week or so, the solar panels just went down in price and up in efficiency at the same time. So they got cheaper and better at the same time, which will only help spur more people to, to choose Tesla to go solar. So really awesome stuff in the near term and in the uh, semi-long term future for Tesla as well. Next up this week, Tesla's in-house battery project that I've mentioned on recent episodes is apparently dubbed Project Roadrunner, and as Tesla Rati speculates, it could be tied to the upcoming Plaid Model S. 
Teslarati writes, documents and filings about Tesla's facility in Cato Road near the Fremont factory, by the way, it's, it's literally just down the road, suggest that the electric automaker is attempting to ramp its operations on the site, which is rumored to be an in-house battery research and manufacturing facility. The project, dubbed Roadrunner, is expected to start producing battery cells that are created by, by Tesla for Tesla vehicles. And in a way, such a project could pave the way for the release of the company's next flagship sedan, the Model S Plaid. Recent filings from the company to the city of Fremont indicate that Tesla has a, quote, small-scale battery manufacturing operation in the city. That said, the company is now planning on ramping its operations with workers increasing to 470 people overall, 400 of which, quote, work in shifts such that there are 100 employees working at manufacturing and production operations at any given time, all day, every day, end quote. That is the exact wording from it. Details of Project Roadrunner have not been disclosed by Tesla, though expectations are high that it would play a huge role in the upcoming Battery Day event, which is scheduled for this September. Just like the Cato Road facility, official details about Battery Day are quite slim, though speculations suggest that Tesla would be discussing the development of its next-generation cells, the million-mile battery. Well, I happen to completely agree with Tesla Roddy here. You know, even the name... Roadrunner implies high speed, at least to those of you who, like me, are old enough to have grown up with the with one version of the Looney Tunes cartoons. Because it's funny, I actually, as a quick aside, there are new ones, brand new episodes of Looney Tunes on HBO Max, and they're actually really good. They really capture the spirit of the original cartoons pretty well, the original comedic spirit. And uh, in poking around uh, the various Looney Tunes things on HBO Max, I, I didn't even realize that Looney Tunes have kind of gone away and been revived every so often. There was a revival in the 90s, one in like 2011, etc. Anyway, if you remember Roadrunner and Wile E. Coyote, you know what I'm talking about. But <laughs> I digress. Uh, so if you're going to run small-scale in-house battery operations that are outside of the large-scale battery manufacturing at the various gigafactories, well, it would make sense for those operations to be for a low-volume car with which you're looking to push the boundaries of battery technology. Enter the Plaid Model S, and then after that, the semi-truck and the Roadster. I mean, I think it makes perfect sense that I mean, certainly both the, the the Plaid S and the Roadster are Plaid vehicles. Those Elon has already said, actually, in response to me on Twitter, one of the last times I I uh, got a reply from him that that uh, the Plaid S is basically the proving ground for the Roadster, and they'll make tweaks and improvements based on what they learn from the Plaid S project. But I have to also think that the Tesla Semi will use the most advanced, cutting-edge, next-generation battery technology that Tesla has to offer because, A, the semi-truck is very expensive. I mean, it's it's a $200,000 vehicle for obvious specific commercial purposes. But, B, it's it can't be easy to build an electric semi-truck that's 
capable of towing 80,000 pounds because it would have been done already if it were easy. So you can't just take off-the-shelf batteries and throw them in a semi-truck form factor and call it a day. I have to imagine that the semi will be a part of of the uh, the Roadrunner project, whereas the 3, the Y, and even the S and the X, uh, the non-plaid variants, are just more, quote-unquote, normal mass mass-manufactured battery vehicles with, with more traditional batteries that, that are cheaper to produce because cost, of course, being uh, the, um, a major concern, if not even the major concern uh, amongst those vehicles, whereas cost on the Roadster, Semi, and Plaid S, not a concern. So we'll see what happens. Battery day scheduled for September 15th. We'll see if Tesla is able to hold to that or if they either push it back again, depending on how things go with the state of public health, or they just transition it to a webcast-only model. I, I, My guess would be that it will happen on September 15th, and they'll just do it as a webcast with no in-person attendance if they have to, just because just they've already pushed things back a little bit. They also, remember, that battery day is also the shareholder meeting too, and that can only get pushed back so much farther. Anyway, uh, next story this week, turns out that using a Model 3 as a police car is a pretty good idea. You may remember Bargersville, Indiana employed a uh, Tesla Model 3 into their fleet. Back in January of this year, on episode 232, and no, if you're wondering, I 100% did not remember what episode number that was. <laughs> I had to go back and look it up. But yes, back in January on episode 232, I told you about the Bargersville, Indiana uh, police chief who employed, and by the way, Bargersville, a town of 7,722, according to their most recent census. Well, they bought a Model 3 to use as a squad car. And now we've got a little bit of an update on how that's going. The police chief there, Todd Bertram, took to Twitter. He was asked, do you feel like the experiment has gone as planned, better, or worse? To which police, tree, uh, police chief Bertram replied, quote, better. I think the break-even point will be more like 19 months rather than 24 like we planned before, end quote. He also noted that after one year, all they've had to do is replace the rear tires. He did not say how many miles they put on the car. It is running 18s, so those should last a good while uh, under pretty much any circumstances compared to, say, uh, well, certainly compared to the 20s, but even compared to the 19s. Well, I have to say, I think as Tesla owners and enthusiasts who, who really live with this car every day, we, meaning me and those of you out there listening, are probably not surprised by Chief Bertram's uh, findings with the Model 3. The trick is getting the people who aren't already drinking the Tesla Kool-Aid to give that Kool-Aid a try, because it tastes good. So, you know, I'll say the same thing that I said when I first reported this story back in January. I believe, especially now that it's gone well, better than expected, he says, I think word's going to get around here. Chief Bertram is going to talk about this with his counterparts in other towns, other cities, 
word will get around, particularly, uh, again, with it going even better than what he expected it to, to how, he, how he expected it to go. So I think other jurisdictions are going to follow suit. You're going to see more and more Model 3s pop up. Maybe it is going to be in, in smaller towns first before in major cities because those you know smaller towns tend to be a little more nimble and agile with their budgets and and their decision making just in general right i mean whereas the larger cities the budgets are bigger there's more bureaucracy involved so i wouldn't at all be surprised if if this sort of starts as more of a grassroots thing in smaller towns like bargersville before it eventually makes its way to the San Francisco's and Los Angeles's and Miami's and New York's of the world. But anyway, uh, I love the story. I was really happy to see a follow-up on this. Great to hear that the Model 3 is outperforming its expectations as a police car. That is very cool. The next story is also an optimistic one. I want to thank listener Van for sending this one in. Tesla could get federal tax incentives back on the table for their customers if a massive new green energy bill proposal happens to pass. The story, thank you again, Van, comes from Forbes, who writes, The Moving Forward Act is a $1.5 trillion, 2,300-page bill proposal that covers a lot more than electric vehicles, but here's the electric vehicle part. First, support for developing an electric vehicle charging network. And second, getting more of those EVs onto the road by, quote, supporting widespread adoption of zero emission cars, vans, and buses through tax credits for purchasing vehicles, supporting zero emission vehicle manufacturing, and deployment of publicly accessible electric vehicle charging infrastructure, including underserved communities, according to a fact sheet put out by the House Democrats behind the bill. The Moving Forward Act also wants to make sure the U.S. electric grid is capable of handling more EVs and promote EV manufacturing in the U.S. Keep keep a close ear on this part. It would also increase the cap on an automaker's federal EV tax credits up to 600,000, which is three times higher than the current 200,000 credit limit, and it would create a new tax credit for buyers of used electric vehicles up to $2,500 or 30% of the sale price. The bill would uh, the bill also would require at least 75% of any new vehicles purchased by the United States Postal Service to be electric and install EV charging stations at each post office uh, open to the public by 2026. Well, uh, the used thing, I want to start there real quick because that could really help drive growth because uh, Teslas and other electric vehicles, they are trying their best, but they are still uh, a little on the pricier side compared to a similar gasoline-powered car. You know, I've talked in recent weeks, the million-mile battery could be the tipping point, the, the uh, whatever Tesla's going to talk about at battery day. You know, maybe Tesla's finally got the economics on it, the, the cost per kilowatt hour down to a point where that'll start to turn. But generally speaking, gasoline cars, the equivalent gasoline car is a little bit cheaper 
than an electric vehicle. You just you make up the difference over time with an EV, but you do still tend to pay a little bit more upfront. So offering a tax credit for buyers of used electric cars could be huge because that means, let's say, if your family decides to trade up to a Model Y or a Cybertruck, then you could take, you know, you sell sell, uh, sell your Model 3 to uh, maybe another uh, you know, private listing, another family buys it, somebody buys it, and it's, and you know, they're, maybe you're selling it for, let's just say $35,000 for your long range. I don't even, I actually haven't even looked what the going rates are for used uh, long range Model 3s, but just again, purely hypothetical example, don't quote me on this, but 35K and then they're able to get uh, a $2,500 uh, credit on top of that, you know, that, that really, that does make a significant difference on, on welcoming in a new uh, vehicle that happens, that's electric instead of having to, to buy a, a secondhand gasoline vehicle. Just, it'll help get more gasoline powered vehicles off the road. So this is a good thing. Now, as far as the new car purchases and upping the cap on the federal tax credits, to 600,000 vehicles sold. Remember, that's, of course, in the United States. Tesla sells a lot of cars, but they're not all sold here in the United States. You know, I'm not sure how that would impact Tesla if this passes, since Tesla ran through their 200,000 credits a while back now. I mean, would, would everybody, would every United States Tesla buyer who bought a Tesla last year in 2019, who got a partial credit, would they get sent a check to make up the difference retroactively? Would would 2019 and now 2020 buyers simply be out of luck, and it was just a gap uh, that they that they missed? And then this new bill, if again if signed into law, would just pick up from whenever that bill goes into effect. I'm not sure, but either way, it would be great for Tesla, and of course, as I said, for. EVs in general. And speaking of which, I want to touch on that third bit as well the, about the, the United States Postal Service vehicles. Converting that fleet to electric makes so much sense. Those cars are basically just uh, intra-city. They are stopping and going all the time. Uh, and the gasoline versions just are sitting there idling a lot. And because uh, an electric vehicle is more efficient in that stop and go scenario versus a highway scenario versus versus constantly moving. So EVs are really kind of built for that for that purpose. They would excel as as postal carrier vehicles. And really, uh, if you want to extrapolate this out further, there's a world in which Tesla could get the contract to provide, the battery packs and drivetrains for those vehicles. I mean, maybe somebody else builds them. Maybe they, you know, I'm not quite sure. And there, there are a number of ways that could work, but you never know. Maybe that maybe the U.S. Postal Service turns to Tesla and says, "Hey, we need however many thousand, tens of thousands of uh, of electric vehicles for our fleet. Can you guys build? Can we use your battery packs and drivetrains? Because your cost per kilowatt hour." is so low, we can buy them cheaper from you guys, and we know they're good. And of course, the drivetrains are good too. Like that's, that's entirely possible. In the early, early days of Tesla, their business did involve uh, selling 
drivetrains to uh, to buyers. You know, they they had a partnership with Daimler, and they provided. Uh, they actually, if you have, if you have, Mike, that was a firework. I think. I hope. Uh, if you heard that on Mike, I'm not sure. Anyway, if you're in Europe and had an electric smart car, the little tiny city car. That drivetrain, and this would have been the late 2000s, uh, like 2007, 2008, 2009, that was provided by Tesla. And then here in the United States, I I believe they were only sold in California, but I know I have a lot of California listeners. If you had a RAV4 electric from, again, about the same time, late 2000s, that was a drivetrain provided by Tesla as well. So anyway, that part about... Tesla getting a contract to supply this would just be me daydreaming at this point, but why not? Uh, In fact, the entire bill, all of this is a bit of a daydream right now because this thing would still have to pass and it would have to pass with all of these electric vehicle related provisions intact, which I don't know how likely that is because the bill would have to go through both the House and the Senate and get, you know, it always gets reworked and compromised on. But I will say that I am certainly rooting for the Moving Forward Act, or at the very least, I'm rooting for the electric vehicle-related pieces of it. Finally this week, a couple of interesting tweets from Elon. First, it seems that Tesla is looking to get the word out even more about the Cybertruck, even though six months ago it was like one of the most searched, highest-trending things on on the internet, well, that look for that to quite possibly happen again. Uh, the reason is Tesla is going to take it on a cross-country drive. That is the intention, as stated by Elon. Ride the Lightning listener Michael Hodges asked Elon, bring a cyber truck to the East Coast? We need a glimpse. And Elon replied, sure, we will aim to do a cross-country drive with Cybertruck later this year. End quote. Well, realistically... This will accomplish at least two things for Tesla, two good things. One, it'll give a lot of the hundreds of thousands of reservation holders, like Michael Hodges. Do people not understand that it's daytime out and you can't see a firework? It's three o'clock in the afternoon, people. Get it together. Anyway, uh, (laughs) it'll give a chance for listeners and people like Michael Hodges out there. Michael, hi to see the Cybertruck, and trust me, from personal experience, I've had the privilege, it is insane to see it in person. Pictures, I mean, this seems to apply to all Tesla vehicles, that it it looks even better in person than it does in pictures and videos, but it's especially true of the Cybertruck because, I think in large part because of the stainless steel, like the, the stainless finish, it really is something to behold in person versus like you you really kind of see the difference between a stainless finish and a paint finish but obviously the shape of it also the size of it because it's I can pretty much guarantee you at least for those of you who like me haven't owned a truck before and are and have not been a quote-unquote truck person to date the Cybertruck is much bigger than you think it is uh the at the reveal event there was a, they were giving rides. You could also get a ride if, you know, wait in line for the Cybertruck ride, which I was lucky enough to get. And then they were also giving rides in the P100DS and X as well. And at one point I'm standing there waiting for my ride and I had kind of a good angle. 
on on the anyway you could see as the Cybertruck would come back around from its test ride loop that there was the X park there the Cybertruck dwarfs and I mean dwarfs the Model X and the X is a big vehicle so uh, th that's another reason to see it in person anyway the second effect that a cross-country Cybertruck trip would have for Tesla is it's going to generate a lot more reservations because as that happens, it's going to be constantly plastered all over social media for the entire duration of its trip. And uh, so that will drive more interest. And then also the people that do go see it in person and are, I'm very confident in saying will be impressed by it in person they're going to tell their friends, they're going to tell their family members, and it's just going to lead to even more reservations. You can book that. That is, I'm very confident in that prediction. I will say, though, speaking of predicting, uh, I am not necessarily super confident that the trip will happen, quote unquote, later this year, just in the sense of we kind of have a lot of uh, public health uncertainty right now, and also... Uh, the the weather will get cooler and winterier as the as the year draws on. So I mean I don't know what Elon means by later this year. It might be September, in which case that would be a great time to take it cross country. But if it starts to get into uh, October, but especially even November, December, that could put a damper on things. Now that's not to say that the Cybertruck can't handle winter weather. It's designed to, but. Given that you know the November December kind of end towards the end of the year would be really winter weather for a lot of the country, it could just end up making more sense to wait for nicer weather to come back around before you you take the uh, Cybertruck out on tour. But we'll see. Finally, a couple of supercharger updates from Elon as well. He says, "quote Major supercharger increases are underway for the Greater Los Angeles area." I'm, I see the pictures and I hear the stories that all of the in-town superchargers in L.A. are just constantly packed. A lot of times you're waiting in line, so uh, that is good to see Tesla addressing that. And then also, apparently, the Alaska Highway will be getting superchargers as well to ease in uh, the travel to, from, and within, and around Alaska. Well, that does it for this week's Tesla news, but stick with me. I'll be right back. I've got a ton of your great phone calls lined up. I want to make sure to try and get to as many of them as possible this week. So hang tight for those right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. All July long, Ride the Lightning is brought to you by Connect Coolers. Perfect for summertime here. It is the only hard cooler custom designed to fit your Model 3. It fits perfectly right in the rear trunk well, and it's perfect for road trips, heading to the beach, and everything in between. It features a Tesla-inspired design with responsive handles and thicker insulation than industry standards for superior thermal performance. It's made in the USA and connects ships for free anywhere in the US or Canada. 
You can be one of the first to get it and also lock in a discount of up to 20% when you visit cnctcoolers.com to pre-order. That's $60 off. Head on over to cnctcoolers.com now before the special pre-order price expires. That's cnctcoolers.com. Welcome to the Ride the Lightning Hotline, where you can call in with your Tesla questions, comments, etc. And if you'd like to participate, I welcome it. Drop me a line anytime. You can call in in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record me a question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90-second question and just call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number you can call or Skype, and the number is one 9852 That's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they're special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. By the way, July's Patreon-exclusive bonus episode is ready. It's up now for you if you are backing me at the appropriate tier there. I've got calls from Phil in Kent, Ohio, Joe from Cincinnati, Al from Florida, Najem from Kansas City, Brian from Pennsylvania, Brian from the Twin Cities, Joe from Houston, Ernie from the Bay Area, and James from Oxford. So if you heard your name right there and you're not supporting me on Patreon, that's okay. I want you to hear your call, hear the response to it. Feel free to email me for a free download token so you can hear that episode again. And my email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. For those of you who do get to listen to that via Patreon, thank you very much for your continued Patreon support. Let me kick it off with Neil from Pennsylvania with a couple of feature ideas. Go ahead, Neil. Hey, Ryan, Neil from PA here. I have two different feature requests I'm hoping to get someone from Tesla to hear and consider. Uh, first, it would be great if we could get an option to have the car play a sound when it detects that the traffic signal is changing from red to green or maybe green to yellow. This would be a friendly reminder for anyone who's distracted by kids, the radio, etc. Um, and this would also be useful at the drag strip maybe to increase reaction time on launch. Secondly, it would be great if we could get the ability to open the glove box with the app. I understand the Model S and X have a hard button, however, the 3 and Y don't. So sometimes while watching Netflix or playing games, I want to get in my glove box and get something. In the Model 3 or Y, I have to interrupt the movie or the game to make this happen. So those are my two requests. And as always, Ryan, thanks for the positivity and dedication to the podcast. Really enjoy it. Neil, great to hear from you, and thank you for calling in. More than that, by the way, thank you for calling in with these two excellent feature requests. These are both really useful ideas, and I am more than happy to use my platform here to put them out there in the hopes that somebody from the Tesla team who can do something about it will hear these and submit them to the appropriate team. Now, I'm honestly not sure how much use it'd be at the drag strip, only because if you actually pay close attention, there is a very slight delay between the car dis- the car displaying a green light uh, after the actual traffic signal 
has gone green, which is of course to be expected. I mean, that's that's uh, you know, there's got to be a, a slight latency there, but but still, the day to day core idea that you had with that is absolutely golden. Thank you again. Najem from Kansas City is up next, wants to talk about a troubling Tesla report from J.D. Power. Go ahead, Najem. Hey, what's up, Ryan? This is Najem calling from Kansas City. I hope it's not cheating to leave two voice messages in such a short period of time. I'm going to read this post posted on CNET's Instagram. Tesla ranks dead last in J.D. Power initial quality survey. J.D. Power measures rankings based on problems experienced per 100 vehicles. The lower the score, the better. When it comes to Tesla, the firm recorded 250 problems experienced per 100 vehicles, well above the industry average of 166. Let me know what you think about that. Take care. Najem, I did see that. So yes, let's talk about it. The Verge reports, quote, according to the J.D. Power initial quality study, which measures vehicle quality in the first 90 days of ownership, Tesla cars suffered 250 problems per 100 vehicles as reported by customers compared to an industry average of 166 problems. Land Rover was the second worst performing brand with 228 problems per 100 vehicles. Dodge and Kia were tied for the top rated brand with just 136 issues per 100 vehicles. Tesla receives a special call out in the list because the survey doesn't cover all 50 states. However, increased sales of the Model 3 allowed JD Power to collect enough data to measure quality for the first time. Quote, Unlike other manufacturers, Tesla doesn't grant us permission to survey its owners in 15 states where it is required, said J.D. Power's Doug Betts. However, we were able to collect a large enough sample of surveys from owners in the other 35 states, and from that base, we calculated Tesla's score, end quote. Well, uh, for me, it goes back to what I said to the caller last week or the week before about their Model Y order, and that is... Tesla does need to get better about this. There's no doubt about it. The satisfaction is high with the cars, which is why Tesla can keep right on rolling, but they definitely do need to improve initial quality. I can't argue with the survey on that. I mean, it's I, I certainly had a list of a laundry list of things with my car. Uh, there's still there's still a couple things I'm not thrilled about that were there from the jump on my car. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't love the car any less, but these are things that Tesla does need to improve in various just fit, finish, and uh, et cetera kind of stuff. So hopefully that's something that, that Tesla is going to prioritize. I mean, I totally get that getting cars out and getting gasoline cars off the road, that's the mission. But you don't want to undermine the mission by ultimately developing a reputation in time, not saying today, but you don't in time want to develop a reputation for being uh, a low quality car, you know, a car that's going to have issues right out of the gate after you, you, you buy it. So hopefully Tesla is on top of it. Joey Donuts next from Crown Point, Indiana. Go ahead, Joey. Hey, Ryan, this is Joey Donuts from Crown Point, Indiana. And I just had a thought about how cool it could be if and when we do get the capability to be able to get a live feed of the car's cameras, that we could combine the live view of the windshield camera to the smart summon feature. So as we are telling our cars to come meet us somewhere, 
we would be able to be like a second pair of eyes to make sure that there's nothing in its path that it might collide with or maybe even have the ability to tag that object if it's a stationary object so the car will know to take a different path or maybe attempt to go around that object. Um, also, it would be cool way to check up on our cars if it ever gets to the point where we are able to have the car drive by itself and meet us across the country or wherever and we could check in on it via the live feed to make sure that it's doing alright or see if Maybe it happens to be stuck at a train or stuck behind a car accident, and maybe that's why the car hasn't moved in a while. Just something like that where we can kind of check in on it every once in a while. Anyway, just some things that I happen to think about that are probably pretty far down the line if they ever do even become possible, but I just thought it'd be pretty cool. Also glad to see that the baseball season has finally been announced, even if we can't go and see our teams in person. Still great to have baseball back. Love the podcast, and stay safe. Thanks, Ryan. I like that a lot, Joey. You could get a first-person perspective, so to speak, or I guess first-car perspective from your Tesla in both that short-range and long-range use case. That would definitely be both practical but also entertaining. As for baseball... Well, we'll see. I Hopefully the season's going to happen. Camps are opening today as of me recording this, and we'll see. I'm, I'm a little pessimistic that they're going to make it through given the early, t- you know, t- corona test results with the players and just what's going on around the country. But, uh, yeah, the, neither side, owners or players, seems willing to really compromise for the, for the bigger picture stuff. But anyway... I could talk baseball. I should start a baseball podcast too. That would, uh, of course, that would require like having 29 hours in the day. Anyway, thank you, Joey. Ryan from Las Vegas is up next. Ryan, you are on the air. Hello, Ryan. This is also Ryan. I'm from Las Vegas and I'm awaiting my one to two week delivery window of my first Tesla, a Model 3. Very excited. Really appreciate this podcast and the fandom that comes with Tesla. It shows above and beyond word of mouth marketing is the premium form of marketing and is working for Tesla in comparison to other auto companies that pour millions into marketing. I have two quick questions. One is I have a three-year lease. Where do you think I'll see the autonomous features go in those three years? And two, am I able to have my new Tesla at a regular car wash? I know the wheels can't spin on their own, uh, which is why they have a towing feature. Do I need to put on that towing transportation feature when I go to a car wash that has a conveyor belt for my car? Appreciate it. Very big video game fan as well. Looking forward to Halo Infinite. Thank you. Fellow Ryan, congratulations on your imminent delivery. Uh, I hope that you love the car, and I'm honestly, I'm very confident that you will. For the car wash, you have to be in the car. If it's one of those places that sends the car through empty, it's not going to work. The car will shift into park after a little bit, and that's going to cause a problem there. So, If you need to, insist that you sit in the car or honestly, and I say this totally politely, you you should probably find another car wash place if they won't, uh, if they insist on sending the car through with no driver. Uh, Anyway, you have to put it in neutral. That is the key here. So to do that, because it's actually not super obvious, once you're on the car wash conveyor, 
tap the gear selector up slightly for a couple seconds from drive, by the way. So you're in drive, you tap it up slight, just lightly for a couple seconds. You'll see the display shift from D to N for neutral. Oh, by the way, make sure as well that your windshield wipers are set to off and not set to auto. As to your autonomy question, I honestly can't say. Elon has been promising big things for a while now, and the lesson we've learned with Elon's claims is that while they do take longer to come true than he says they, they will, the fact of the matter is they typically do actually come true, which, you know, when you think about it, is pretty incredible considering the stuff that he has said and since accomplished. Maybe we'll have full city uh, self-driving in three years, complete with turns, maybe not. But I would focus on where we're at today. If what's there today is appealing to you, get the full self-driving package on your car and enjoy it. I mean, you heard me last week talk a lot about this. Last week or the week before, I can't remember, one of the last couple shows. I'm very happy with buying the full package. I personally have no regrets. You may feel differently, but regardless, enjoy the car and thank you for calling in. Our next caller comes uh, from north of the border and Montreal, in fact. Not a Model 3 owner yet, but uh, has a question. Go ahead, caller. Hey, Ryan. I'm Jimmy from Montreal, Canada. First time caller. Uh, I'm not a Tesla owner yet, but I really hope to buy one in a few years. So it might sound crazy or dramatic, but I bought a set of the Model 3 C cars and I keep one in my pocket, my wallet. So when I see it, it's like a little reminder to myself that, hey, you're going to get the car one day because you already have the key, right? So anyway, my question is about the future upgrade of the Model 3. Uh, you mentioned not long ago that the Model Y got some cool improvements to the door handles, like to break the ice, uh, the heated charging port, and the heat pump. So do you think those improvements will appear on the Model 3 since they share so many parts together and the Model 3 keep on getting better and better? So I'm asking this because we have harsh winters here and I'm, I'm definitely uh, concerned about that. So yeah, thanks. Uh, I love the podcast. You're my main source of information when I'm too lazy to search online. So I look forward to every episode. Uh, I also love your work on IGN. I also work in the game industry, so it's quite awesome to be able to share the same passion about gaming and death in general. So yeah, man, cheers. Thank you so much for calling in. And by the way, I love your attitude. I love that you bought the key cards. To me, that is awesome motivation. You will get that Tesla. I know it. That's the kind of like motivating attitude it takes. I love it. Uh, to your question, I would think so, and I would have assumed so, but you may remember a month or so back, I played a clip from an interview where Elon, uh, with Elon, I should say, where he was asked that very question and said, and I'm paraphrasing here, that Tesla has other bigger priorities. I mean, given Tesla's rapid pace of innovation, I just, I have to say, I can't reconcile with what he said there. I presume the thermal system would need a significant overhaul in the Model 3 in order to incorporate the heat pump. And maybe Tesla just doesn't want to, you know, quote unquote, fix what isn't broken. Uh, your, I mean, your concern is valid with your Montreal winters, though, at the same time. But know this, many Model 3 owners are in Montreal and other places that, that have uh, tough winters, and those people happily and successfully drive their cars in the wintertime. So I wouldn't worry too much about it. Now, that said, since you said that you're two to three years away from getting your Model 3, 
By that time, the Cybertruck will be out, Tesla's production capacity will be much greater. So by then, there's actually a good chance that the Octovalve will have made it into the Model 3 by then. So thank you so much for your call. And by the way, you said you're in the game industry. Not sure if you might be at Ubisoft Montreal up there, WB Montreal, Square Enix Montreal, or another studio. But I'll, let me just say thank you in advance for whatever awesome next-gen video game that you uh, quite possibly are working on up there. We appreciate it as a video game players. Uh, Bonice from Montreal. Let's stay in Montreal with another caller. Uh, talking Cybertruck. Go ahead, Bonice. Hello, Ryan. Bonice Patreon from Montreal. Uh, I'm calling with a uh, comment, a question, and a request. Uh, the comment, uh, the yeah, the comment would be: uh, I ordered my Cybertruck on the day of the unveil. It's been around six months, and wow, this wait is so long. Uh, my hopes for a Model Y surprise of coming out like nine months early are long gone now that I know the factory isn't even built yet. But uh, I'm still desperately waiting to drive that really awesome truck. Question, I drive a lot around in uh, campgrounds and um, here in Canada you have a maximum of eight kilometers an hour when you drive. So with a standard uh, combustion engine, uh, you just let go of the gas and your car just moves forward with the idle and it's around eight kilometers. What do you do with a Tesla? You know, I hear that the second you press on the gas, you're going like 100 kilometers or so. So how do you go with uh, really slow driving in campgrounds? How does that work? And I guess my request is uh, I sent it out here in my little Tesla universe. Uh, what if uh, Tesla would let uh, the Cybertruck in the hands of uh, Sandy Monroe? And uh, surprisingly enough, at the end of episode five, actually Sandy requested or said, hey, he'd love to have his hands on it. Personally, I would really find it cool because I'd love to get uh, I'd love to be able to watch a YouTube video from Sandy Monroe with the Cybertruck. It'd be pretty awesome. Well, see if you can't put that out on your show. I know a lot of people listen to it, so maybe the right people will hear it. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye. Yes, you are correct, I think, in that any Model Y-like hopes of the Cybertruck delivering early are probably not realistic. I mean, the Y shared so many parts with the three the Tesla really could hit the ground running with it, whereas the Cybertruck will be completely new in almost every way. Anyway, though, uh, I can answer your campground question. All you have to do is set the car's braking mode to creep, which is what I actually use because uh, I drive on hills all the time, and the car will move, will just kind of inch forward just like in an automatic transmission internal combustion engine car. Hope that helps. Thanks again for your call. Stu from Calgary. We're going to stay up north in Canada. Stu, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. Stu from Calgary here, and very happy that I picked up my new Model Y June 20th. I have a comment and a couple questions that I hope you can help me with. I saw a bunch of videos of problems with deliveries and just wanted to let people know that my delivery was seamless and I could not find any issues with the quality of my Model Y. This is probably a combination of better quality from the factory and the Calgary delivery team working extra hard before I showed up. I was really happy with the whole experience. I want to set up Wi-Fi garage opening and I can't find out how to do it. Any tips on where to find that information? I also drive with the back seats down so that my dog can see out the windshield. There is an alert symbol for the seat belt for the rear center seat that won't seem to go away. Is there a way to disable that alert when the seats are down? 
Thanks for the great show. My wife and I have been listening for a few years as we dreamed of getting our new Tesla. And I'm tickled pink that it's finally here. Stu, thank you so much for calling. And by the way, congratulations on your new Model Y. I am thrilled to hear that the car is great and that so was your delivery experience. For your dog in the back, this can be fixed. I ran into the same thing when I first got my Model 3. When the red unlatched seatbelt icon pops up on the screen there, uh, just tap it and it will switch to a white baby seat mode icon for that seat. You might have to end up tapping it for all three rear seats as the red uh, you know, seatbelt warnings pop up on there for the you know, left, right, and middle seats, but that is what will fix it. As for Wi-Fi garage opening, it has not been rolled out just yet. Should be pretty soon, though. Hope that helps. Thanks, Stu. Charles from Orlando up next. Charles, you're on the air. Hi, Ryan. This is Charles from Orlando, Florida. First-time caller, long-time listener, Tesla owner, and big fan of Tesla. I've got a question that I've tried to ignore, but it keeps coming back and bugging me. I haven't heard anybody ask this question. Maybe I just missed it. But with regard to the Model S increased range of up to 402, I remember Elon saying that, you know, the the initial EPA test, uh, they left the door open. The EPA uh, denied it, said it was a fair test, uh, whatever. Now we fast forward, and now Tesla's saying, okay, now we've done a retest, and we're at 402, but we got there by uh, improvements in up to four different areas, you know, mass reduction, tires, uh, and a couple other things that uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. But it seems to me that they would have been above 402 without those improvements if the EPA mistake was actually true, if not, then we should be substantially above 400 with those four areas of improvements. Am I missing something? Just would like to hear your thoughts. Thanks. Hey, Charles. Welcome to the hotline. Well, I personally don't see it that way. They've taken every single ounce of improvement to the efficiency of the car and eked out the 402-mile rating. Because remember, this is a car that was 335 miles on the same size battery pack at the beginning of 2019. It's between chemistry improvements, more efficient motors, and then and then everything else you mentioned as well, and that Tesla mentioned in their blog uh, on top of that. that It took all of that together just to barely sneak over the 400 mark, but... I think it's pretty darn impressive considering, again, they're not physically putting in more battery capacity. It's still the same 100 kilowatt hours. We'll have to wait for the Plaid S for them to go above 100. But uh, anyway, thank you so much, Charles, for calling. Two more calls this week. Billy from the Bay Area up next. Go ahead, Billy. Hey, Ryan. Billy here. Longtime listener since the OXM days. My fiance and I just took delivery of our Model 3 Standard Plus the June refresh with the USB-Cs. My question is around battery optimization. Our car currently shows that we can do around 220 miles on full charge, which is at a 90% setting. Do you have any experience charging it above 90%? I was thinking about probably going around 95%. 
um, just so she has the extra mileage to make it to work. Um, we'll love your thoughts and uh, any other insights on utilizing the supercharging feature as we currently received unlimited supercharging for purchasing our car before the end of June. Thanks in advance. Hey, Billy, congratulations to you and your fiance on that new Model 3. Uh, to answer your question, if you need 95% charge to get somewhere, then do it. That is what it's there for. But if you don't, it is better for the long-term health of the battery to keep it charged every day to 90% or less. I mean, you'll see that when you go to set the charge level. You know, you press the lightning icon or the battery icon on the screen, and then you'll see that Tesla has that recommended window that you keep it between 50% and 90% charging for your normal needs. But again, by all means, if you need that 95%, take it. And if you dip below 10%, the car will make it abundantly clear that you're getting low and it's gonna be easy to see just how you're doing. So don't worry too much there. The key is to not leave it under 20%. You can go down and use that much juice if you need to, but it's not healthy to leave the car at a low state of charge like that for very long. Generally speaking, uh, the, the, the bottom line is drive how you need to, but if you can, Keep the battery between 50% uh, and 90% whenever you can. Enjoy the car. Finally this week, Austin from Alabama. Last, certainly not least, uh, looking for a little bit of advice. Go ahead, Austin. Hey, Ryan. Austin from Alabama here. So I've been thinking a lot about the Austin Gigafactory, and I'm really rooting for it to be there because I plan to go to UT Austin in two years. I'm currently a junior in high school. So I was wondering if you or any of the other listeners knew if there are any internship uh, or part-time opportunities for people in college at the other factories like in Fremont and in Nevada. And if so, you think that maybe they will be some for, the, uh, for people in Austin. Because I'd be really interested in joining the team. Thank you so much for your time and this amazing podcast that just gives us a great hour of information and fun a week. And please give Daisy the Boxer some pets for me. Austin, thank you for calling in, and yes, I will pass along those pets for Daisy. She's actually, she is not in here at the moment. She's gone to lay somewhere else, maybe outside or in the living room. Anyway, uh, I can virtually guarantee you that there will be plenty of internship opportunities at the next U.S. Gigafactory, regardless of which city is awarded of it, uh, awarded it, I should say. There are plenty of those opportunities now. I would recommend that you go take a look at the careers page on the Tesla website. If you go to tesla.com slash careers, head over there if you haven't already. There is a link to internship opportunities right at the bottom of that page. Also, I think it can't hurt to start prepping your resume now if you haven't already been doing so. I know, I know it's, uh, <laughs> I sound old, but back when I was in high school, we actually, they, we, they did have us work on resumes like as part of class uh, in maybe junior or senior year. So anyway, um, hopefully you're already working on it. But if not, I would definitely recommend investing some time in that. Work with your parents maybe or uh, another adult who's, uh, who's been through the, the job process before that can help, help you really punch up and, and uh, tighten up your uh, resume. Anyway... Uh, what I like here from your call is that it sounds like you have tunnel vision 
towards your academic goals, the fact that you're already zeroing in on your college and you're already eyeing Tesla internships, I think that's a good thing. I was the same way. I was a person who locked in on my career goals, I and then I didn't let anything else distract me. And granted, there were, <laughs> that's a whole other story. I mean, I didn't really, I would say I didn't really have much of a college experience. That's one regret of mine. I just kind of, I just kind of stayed so locked in on the academics that I didn't do anything else. But in the long run, I did end up achieving my career goals and I'm very grateful and, and proud to get to do what I do uh, for a living now. So good luck to you, Austin. And thanks again for calling. All right. Uh, again, if you've got a question, comment, Tesla-related discussion topic, please do call in. I would love to hear from you. I gave you the call-in information at the top of the segment. But stick with me. I've got your pro tip of the week and some more items to wrap up with right after this. Well, this is the part of the podcast where I generally tell you what I've been up to with my Tesla, and I uh, am very embarrassed to talk to you about what I've been doing with my Tesla this week because I messed up my Tesla this week. I actually damaged my own car. Uh, The quick version of the story is, uh, as I've talked about on on the show before, I am very lucky to have a home here in San Francisco and extra lucky that that home has a garage Uh, and one that can actually fit a Tesla, but it is a very narrow opening. It's like the smallest kind of garage door. The Model 3 only fits through it with the mirrors folded, and and even then there's only a few inches of clearance on either side with the mirrors folded. And uh, I've been in and out of there, I guess now because I've had the car for almost two years, hundreds and hundreds of times, but it is tight. And the thing is, the the um, sensors, the parking sensors, are always screaming. They're always just like, beep, 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 <laughs> because it's, it's so tight. So effectively, it, when I'm pulling into my garage or out of it, it's white noise. It doesn't actually serve a purpose because there's no way for me to get in or out of there without the parking sensors going nuts. So I was coming home uh, with my family from a drive, uh, the other day and it was night, but it wasn't late and I wasn't tired. There was like, I had no excuse. I had no, just zero excuses. And I'm, I'm pulling in, I'm making the approach. And the thing is about my house, my neighborhood in San Francisco, I don't have a driveway. You basically go, you know, there, and there's cars parked on the street. So you kind of, you maneuver around the cars on the street, you pull in, you hit the sidewalk you go over the sidewalk, and then you're pretty much right into your garage. I mean, my driveway is literally three feet long, maybe maybe four, probably no, at, at the most. So it's just you just turn in, and then boom, you're like you're going in the garage. And uh, and I started to come in, and then I'm I'm going through, I'm going through, and then I've got I've got a concrete wall, the the, the edge of the house, you know, uh, to my left. So I've hung a, uh, believe it or not, I've just this like the most like MacGyver thing ever, I guess. I got a giant pool raft and hung it on that wall so that I could, I could open the door. And if, you know, if I happened to get it into the wall, it wouldn't just scratch up, you know, that the concrete, you do that once and it's going to screw up the, the, the paint on the door. So I had that 
to, so anyway, it's tight on the left. So when I come in, I like to kind of angle to the right a little bit to try and give myself uh, more room to open my door uh, on the driver's side there. So I'm coming in and then I, I'm, I'm through, I'm moving through and then I start, I start to angle over to the right a little bit and apparently I was just too close to the right uh, to the right side of, of the garage door opening to begin with and when I angled over, I heard a and I knew right away. I was like, oh no, I've, I've screwed it up. I've done it. And sure enough, I get out of the car, I go look, just a, a, a white streak above the, the, the right rear wheel well. And the good news is there's paint protection film there, but I don't know if it got through the film and under the paint. And I won't know until I can get the car to Immaculate Reflections, which is going to be next week because uh, he was booked up couldn't get to him right away. So he'll take the film off and then we'll see if there's paint damage underneath. I am crossing my fingers that it's just film. Now, is it going to cost me money either way? Yes. Like, but the, it, there is a chance that the film saved me, which would, by the way, be the third time it would, it is, it has saved me if, if indeed I'm so fortunate once again. But, um, yeah, if it's, I would rather pay to replace film than pay to repair paint because of course especially with the multi-coat red paint you know the multi the just any of the multi-coats with tesla it's it's tougher to match the multi-coats from a from paint repair so i would much much rather have intact pristine original factory paint and just have to replace paint protection film so um Keep your keep your fingers crossed for me on that one, but it's like, it's like I have nobody to blame but myself. Nobody else did this to me. I just screwed it up, and I'll tell you, I'm I'm not even mad about it. I'm just so profoundly bummed out and disappointed in myself. And believe me, I know there are far greater concerns in the world right now uh, that uh, than than my car. But hey, just. I, I worked so hard to, to be able to get this car and afford this car, and I waited so long for it, and I, I saved up so long. So it's, and it's the most expensive thing I've ever bought. So, and it's, so it does matter to me, even though, again, I, I, I know that globally speaking, it's not the biggest problem on the planet. But in any case, I should hopefully have an update on that by in time for next week's show, and hopefully I'll have good news. Anyway, uh, oh, and by the way, the one other interesting note I just wanted to, to pass along, on that same trip home, just prior to screwing up my own car, uh, I saw a very rare sight indeed, here, at least here in the United States, I saw a right-hand drive Model S. It drove by me on the freeway, and I went, I think I saw a steering wheel on the right-hand side. And my wife was like, what? No. How could you have seen that? No. So I, I zoomed up to, to, to get alongside the car. And I knew right away that I was like, I think I'm right because it had the MFG plates, the manufacturer's plates. So it was a Tesla car, Tesla vehicle, a company vehicle. And sure enough, it was a P100D Model S right-hand drive. And the employee was just cruising up north uh, on Highway 280 North. And uh, yeah, I just thought that was that was really interesting to see. For those of us here in the United States, uh, outside of postal vehicles that are often right-hand drive, 
We don't see many right-hand drive cars, particularly Teslas. It's very rare to see right-hand drive Teslas here. So that was pretty cool. Anyway, time for your tip of the week. It comes from Mike in Toronto. Hi, Ryan. This is Mike calling from Toronto with a two-part pro tip stemming from an incident that happened to me last week. I was traveling up a secondary two-lane road that I've done many times before. I was uh, in full self-driving mode, and uh, the car suddenly, without warning, lurched to the right, and it was only by me grabbing the wheel and taking control, uh, getting it back onto the pavement that I avoided putting the car into the ditch, uh, or worse yet, uh, if a vehicle had been in that driveway uh, colliding with the vehicle. Uh, the cause was that it had rained earlier that morning, and trucks coming out of that address, which was a, a gravel quarry, crossing my lane and uh, turning southbound opposite to the way of my travel, uh, had left dark mud, a number of dark mud strips from the tires on the road, and uh, my car mistakenly uh, thought that they were the direction of the road. Um, there would have been substantial damage or a collision. Um, two learnings from that. Uh, one is this, if this ever happens and you want to have Tesla made aware of this, what you do is push the voice dictate button, state bug report, and a chime will sound. Then briefly state what the, what happened in the incident and the date and time. And then hopefully someone from Tesla will look into your drive log, look into the cameras and see what happened and uh, take that in the, into account in uh, in writing the, the software. Uh, alternatively, um, if uh, you're uh, if you if you are going to be reacting and trying to do this later, the best way is to email your nearest service location and in the topic of your email state bug report and that should reach the same destination. Um, other than almost needing a change of underwear, no harm occurred, and I hope others uh, will uh, benefit by this. Thanks very much for the podcast. Always enjoy it. Listen to it every week. Thanks, Ryan. Bye-bye. First of all, Mike, I'm glad you're okay. Secondly, that is definitely something that the autopilot team should look at. Uh, it's also a good reminder not to get too lax when using autopilot. It is still, and, and I say that not directed negatively towards you, but as a reminder to myself and to all of us, it is still a driver assistance system, not a self-driving system, and it is therefore not perfect. Uh, and by the way, thank you for the reminder on how to submit a bug report. That's another one where I'm almost positive I've mentioned that one before, but like last week's scroll wheel tip for autopilot, uh, it's been a long, long, long time since I mentioned it, and there are plenty of new listeners out there and new owners out there who might not have heard it or needed the reminder. So thank you for calling in. And oh, by the way, I uh, forgot the video game recommendation for the week, if you still care about that. How about Animal Crossing New Horizons for the Nintendo Switch? Another family-friendly game. That's what I, I try to keep most of these recommendations family-friendly. My daughter just got it. Uh, as a gift, and she loves it so far. It is, the, I'll tell you, the soundtrack is the most, one of the most relaxing soundtracks I've ever heard for a video game in my life. And I say that in a nice way. Like I'm watching her play, I'm sitting there watching her play, she's showing me what the game's all about. And it's so mellow and so chill that it was like four or five o'clock and my eyes just started to close. Like it was so nice. Like, man, I gotta get this original soundtrack 
and just put this on when it's bedtime because this but the game's really cool too it's a uh, you're kind of on your own little island and you're like building a house and collecting animals and swimming around and ex- and exploring and it's really interesting it's a it's a pretty cool game and uh really yeah definitely good for kids and you could probably play it with your kids as well there is online functionality so you can visit like if you have multiple Nintendo Switches in the house, you can visit each other's islands. So anyway, Animal Animal Crossing New Horizons for the Nintendo Switch. All right. Uh, before I go, I want to mention some friends of the podcast that uh, can definitely help improve your Tesla experience. Let me start with abstractocean.com, tempered glass screen protectors, They've got the uh, center console wraps if you want to change the the color or pattern or both of that very fingerprint-tastic scratch. Uh, what's, what's the opposite of scratch-resistant? I guess scratch-prone center console, that glossy finish that the, the 3 and the Y come with out of the factory. So they've got the, the wraps that you can easily install yourself to, to uh, change the, the look and feel there. Uh, the lighting kits are very popular for the the interior lighting kits, the footwells, the the frunk, the trunk, just brighten things up in there a bit. Anyway, abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout after you've piled everything you like into your shopping cart, and you will get 15% off of your first order at abstractocean.com with that RTL podcast coupon code. Meanwhile, uh, my new friends at SnapPlate, livingtesla.com slash RTL. That's the website to visit, livingtesla.com slash RTL. The SnapPlate, a front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds, includes the tools you need. You can keep those tools in your car, like in the glove box or in the center console or in one of the little cubbies in the in the trunk so that you can easily go grab that tool and pop it on and off as you like to you can pop it on to avoid uh tickets while you're parked at parking meters you can take it off for car washes you can put it back on for uh if you're part you can put or i should take it off for car shows whatever anyway livingtesla.com slash rtl the snap plate very useful for those of you that live in states where the front license plate is required. How about Immaculate Reflections, irdetailing.com. I'm going to be visiting Immaculate Reflections this week. Maybe I'll see you there if you're booking in for some work with Jeff at Immaculate Reflections. He offers discounts to listeners of this podcast. I hope I count. I'm going to mention that I listen to this podcast and hope he gives me a little bit of a break uh, because he will do that for you. If you are in the Bay Area or going to be in the Bay Area and you want to get some detailing work done on your car, it doesn't have to be a Tesla. It could be anything. Presumably, it's going to be your Tesla if you're listening to this podcast, but he does all kinds of stuff. So he's totally sanitary, by the way. He's got a whole uh, touchless drop uh, drop off and pick up now. So uh, whether you're looking for paint protection, film, ceramic coating, or whatever it is you need, irdetailing.com. Check out the website, learn more, and get booked in with Jeff. puretesla.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for your dash cam slash sentry mode kits. 128 gigs is uh, $49 for that kit, and then the 256 gigabyte kit 
is $69. They'll ship free anywhere in the United States, and it's plug-and-play. Take it right out of the package, straight into your car, nothing else you need to do, and it will work reliably over and over again, day in and day out, because it is not merely a normal USB key that will uh, that does wear out over time. Like I said, I had my USB, regular USB stick wear out, which is why I'm now happy to have the Pure Tesla kit in my car. PureTesla.com slash RTL. And Jada, they've got the wireless charging pads as well as the USB hubs. Get those at GetJada.com slash R-E-F slash 8. Definitely recommend the wireless charging pad and the USB hub is pretty cool as well. Finally, I'm on Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. If you enjoy the podcast and you would like to support it at any level in any way, shape, or form, your support would be very welcomed and appreciated. You can find all the information there at the Patreon page. And subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. It's free to do so on all the major podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, which, remember, TuneIn is in your Tesla, Spotify. Uh, I'm also on YouTube, just audio only, but if you do want to listen on YouTube, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla, and you'll find my YouTube channel there, and you can easily subscribe to it. That will about wrap it up. I want to say thank you before I go to the Patreon producers, the wonderful folks supporting at the producer level tier. That is Pete White, Wolfgang Obergen, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, Chris Knesnick, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peake, Will Stedman, Evitricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Matt Kalen, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversall, Ish, Ramey from TeslaProTips.com, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Steve Radspinner, Jared Brown, and Jerome Streck. Thank you all sincerely for your continued support. It does mean a lot. I'm, you know, it's it's cliche, but it is true. Every little bit helps. It all adds up to really make a difference in my life. So thank you all so much. This has been Ride the Lightning episode 257 for the 4th of July weekend right here in the U.S. Coming to you from San Francisco on a windy but sunny afternoon here. I hope you have a safe, wonderful, healthy, and happy 4th of July weekend if you're celebrating. And with that, I wish you happy electric motoring, and I'll see you back here next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. 
it's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun. 